Let's try that again. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Henry. I'm an intern here at the in the food pantry and a pastoral intern as well. So I preach every once in a while in these services. So greetings to everybody. Glad you guys came. It's nice to see the familiar faces. If you don't know me, uh, come up to me afterwards. Introduce yourself, and I'd love to get to know you. And if you do know me, well, let's get to know each other even more, okay? So today, I'm going to speak on day five of creation, the, the birds and the fish. Um, but, but first, we'll do a recap before I do that. But before I get started, just a few things I want to say. If, you're, if you have your phone, just uh, please make sure that it's on silent. Uh, it's just nice for me, and then it doesn't distract other people while I'm, while I'm talking. Um, and then also, if, you're not, if you don't have a church home or a church family, we, we meet every Sunday at 1 p.m., and we, we worship God. Uh, we hear a, a message from Him, from His Word. And then we have a nice time of fellowship where we sometimes eat a full meal or we eat snacks. And that's just really fun. It's encouraging for me. I know it's encouraging for the other saints as well. And then we do a time of prayer and singing. And so it's just a very, very good day for rest, spiritual rest, and to get our spiritual food. And so, yeah, you're all welcome to come to that. And then Good Friday service on April 15 at 7 p.m., if you want to come and hear uh, about what the Lord did, what he accomplished on the cross uh, for, for people and then for the world as a whole. And so, yeah, so that's all the, uh, all the announcements I have. And so we'll recap. So, so today I'm going to do day five, birds and fish. But before that, I wanted to just give you a recap of where, where we left off. And so I, I want to start by reading Philippians 4, 4 and 5, just to help paint the picture. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And so Paul's talking to the, to the saints. He's saying, live a joyful life. And let the way that you live uh, be made, be, be, let your reasonableness, the way that you live, be a witness to people. And so I was reading that last night and that word reasonableness really struck me because as we're doing the Christian worldview, that's what we want you to see from Genesis, the origin story, where, where everything came from. And I, we want you to see that it's reasonable, that yes, you do have to be given the gift of faith by God to be able to, to believe in him, to believe in Jesus Christ, but I think even from a human standpoint, if you study the Christian worldview, you come to find that it's far more reasonable. It's far more of a reasonable explanation of our origins than any other worldview that is purported or offered today. And so for those who believe, it, this, these, this series just it, it confirms your faith. It helps you learn more about what God did and what he's doing. But for those who don't believe, the goal is to try to put a pebble in your shoe. So if you remember as a kid, you're on the playground, you get that pebble in your shoe, and you want to keep playing with your friends, 
But that thing's irritating you. It's bugging you. You've you got to get it out. And similarly with this series, we, we want to make you question your presuppositions in, in, in what you believe if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. And so, so that's what we want you, you we want to, to, to do here. And, and really, it's not just for a worldview's sake, but it's your, your what do you, uh, what are you staking your life on? And your death on. Because we're all going to be here for a very short time. And then we're going to be gone. And so do we want to live a life for ourselves or for something that's false? Or do we want to live for the, the glory of God? Who is so clearly revealed in creation and his word. And so before I start the, the recapping more what, what I talked about, will you pray with me? Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, that's what you are. You're a heavenly father who, who loves his people, who cares for them, who hears their prayers, who comforts them, Lord. So we pray to you now, uh, a God who loves his people and is personable with them, asking that you bless this time, that you would give me the words to speak and help me to be clear. And may, may people question their, their beliefs if they don't believe and, and may they come to saving faith in Jesus Christ to live a life uh, that glorifies you and a life that enjoys you forever. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to recap a little bit more and then I'm going to read the Genesis 1 20 through 23 the fifth day of creation and then there's about four things that I want to leave you with. First, notice God in creation. Two, be moved to worship God. Three, continual repentance of, of our pride and our arrogance. And then four, trusting in Christ's power in recreation, spiritual recreation. And so, the last time I talked, I, I said, every worldview deals with God. Either there is a God, or there is not a God. And I said, the predominant worldview today, it's man-centered, or human-centered. The idea is that humanity is at the center of the universe. This is, might I say, what most people hold to. Humanity has suppressed their knowledge of, of God. They know there's a God, but we, we have darkened our thinking, and therefore we consider God to be dead or non-existent. Because we, we think we've gotten to this point with science and with all of these other fields of study that there, there's no God. We, we've proven that he's not real. I mean, we can't measure him. I can't have you meet him and touch him. And from there, I took the Christian worldview back. I said that God is actually the center of the universe and that all of creation, everything that you see, points back to him. And that the Bible tells us who he is and what his purposes are. And we also noted that the Christian worldview, again, as I mentioned before, is far more reasonable than other worldviews. It gives us concrete answers to our origins and to the end of which all things are, are moving towards. And finally, 
the last time we met, I noted that theology in the Christian worldview deserve our respect, our honor, and our, our reverence because it is legitimate. It's a legitimate area of study and its knowledge is, the ob- is God. Its object is God who is revealed in his word. It is the only really legitimate worldview because it serves in making the world and all things in it new in Jesus Christ. In the Christian worldview, God, he descends to us. He descends to the lowest place he possibly could. Wretched humanity. And in descending to us, he, he's working to make us new creatures. He's, he's working to make us spiritually alive in Jesus Christ. And then when Christ comes, he's going to recreate and reform this whole world so that all things are new and that there is no more sin, no more sorrow, no more war, no more death. And so this is the fundamental difference between Christianity and all other religions and really all other worldviews. Other religions are but shadows of the true religion, Christianity. In all other religions, belief and belief systems, we, we are at the center. Humanity seeks God, we say. Humanity seeks to bring God down to them. It is all about us, our struggles and distresses, and how we might ascend to God in the midst of them. But in Christianity, there's way better news. Because we, we, can't, we can't ascend to God in our own strength. And so in Christianity, God is at the center. God, he reaches down to us. He, he reveals himself to us uh, in creation and in his word. And he reaches down to us in our distresses, our struggles. And he draws us to himself in Jesus Christ through his, his word, namely the preaching of it. And he gives us new life in Christ through this, this word, the preaching of the word and the Holy Spirit. And through it, he, he makes us new and he equips us for good works so that we might share that hope within us with other people. He is the one who will bring to completion the salvation of all those who he draws in Jesus Christ. So it's totally unconditional. It's all God. It's all by grace. And this is, this is what we're doing here at New York Gospel Ministries and at Manor Church Community on Sunday. We don't, we don't hand out food and give out food f- just, just because we want to. We do it because we want to share the hope that we have. Really the only hope in life and death that we are not our own, but we belong to Jesus Christ, our faithful Savior. And, and, and so that, that's what we want to do. We, we want to give you physical food. and We want to be friends with you and get to know you, but we want to give you spiritual food that will nourish your souls. And so today, we're going to look at birds and fish. And so, I'm not going to lie, I didn't, at first when I knew I was speaking on this, I was like, what am I going to say? I didn't know what I was going to, what was I was going to say, but studying helped me. And so, let's read Genesis 1, 20-23, the fifth day of creation. And God said, let the waters 
swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the, the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. So now we move to day five of creation, the, the creation of the fish and the birds of the, of the sky. And so let me draw you two, two pictures for you that will help you understand the creation of these specific animals, creatures, and then to help you understand the creation of all things in general. The first is the computer, and the second is a plant. So first the computer. So the computer... Just as a computer was designed by an intelligent being so that its whole makeup works together as one unity in diversity, it's one unit, but it's diverse, so too the universe was created by an intelligent being, namely God, so that all of its makeup, its whole makeup, reflects the triune God, who, who is himself a unity and diversity, right? He's one God. He's, he's three in one, three persons in one. And all creation reflects that. The, the only difference between the making of a computer and the, the creating of the entire universe is that a computer required something to make it uh, because of the maker's limitations, right? Whereas the creator God, he didn't need anything outside of himself to create the universe. Humanity made the computer through the use of natural things and, and, and he, the, the, the person who made it needed the, resource, he needed the resources at hand whereas God created the world by speaking with nothing outside of himself. He didn't need any materials. And so creation itself, what you see outside in and of itself is a miracle. The sun and the plants the moon and oceans, trees and seeds, the diversity of ecosystems, the sustaining of them, the laws of nature like gravity and the family structure that that keeps humanity going on into the future. All of these things were created by God with nothing outside of himself. And all of these intricacies or details of creation by the upholding strength of God Keep the universe and creation running as a, as a unity and diversity towards its end goal. The ushering in of the new heavens and new earth. All things in creation point directly back at the triune God, the three in one. And all things will find their end in him when Jesus comes again. But a better analogy, I think, is than the computer is a plant. The universe of the world as we see it, it's like a plant. It's one organic whole. A plant is one united creature. But it has, it has a diversity in its leaves, right? A diversity in its branches and flowers. Yet it's, it's one united being. This plant grows up and then it dies off. Only to be reborn in the springtime, right? We're, we're seeing that now. I was just staying outside and... What was once dead is now 
uh, beaming with new life, the cherry blossom trees. And so the universe is like a planet. It's, it's a unity and diversity growing up until its peak age. And then it will, it will be destroyed. It will be refined only to be reborn or reformed by the power of God to that which it was originally intended, perfection and sinlessness. And, since, and so since the universe, an organic unity and diversity that reflects God is completely tainted with sin, God in his mercy sent Jesus Christ to save the world. He came to redeem it and recreate it. He sent Jesus Christ to redeem the world in order to bring it back to how it was created. This is the goal of salvation in God. The whole cosmos is totally affected by sin. Not by God's doing, but by his allowance. For the sole reason that God might have mercy, save the world, and most of all, display his glory in and through this work. The power and glory of God is displayed in the creation, in all of its diversity, in the unity that lay behind it. The birds and fish included, as we will come to see. And the main point or thing that God wants us to walk away with today is that we might more and more notice him in creation as we live our daily lives. And because of this, be moved to worship him. And so we must take the time to stop and see God in creation. We must see him in all of its diversity. We must see God in the birds and fish. That he created them in all of their diversity. That he cares for them. And that he sustains them. We must also take the time to see his power as well as his glory in all of it. He, he is the life principle of all things. He's the source. He's the sustainer. And these invisible attributes or characteristics of God are clearly seen. Clearly seen in creation. Romans 1 verse 20 says, For his invisible attributes or characteristics, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, we, are without excuse. The fact that there is a God is clear as day for all of us to see in creation. God is made known to us in the forest, the mountains, the sea, the sky. His creative, intelligent design is clear as day before us. And the fact that God is all-powerful is so clearly shown in the fact that he sustains all of these things by continually giving them life and keeping them in place from falling apart. And so really, I will go as far to say, we mock God. We mock God when we suppress knowledge of him in our unbelief. When we notice more and more of God and creation, namely God's power and glory, we will not doubt then his power and recreation for us personally. We, we will not doubt his love for his creation. We will not doubt that he will hear us when we cry to him in repentance of sin. 
We will not doubt that he will give us faith in Jesus Christ if we ask. We will not doubt the power of God through the Holy Spirit to draw more people to Christ. And we will not doubt his promise to finish the work of recreation in the lives of, the, or in the lives of those who are in Jesus Christ already. And we, we will not doubt that God will recreate the entire universe as we know it. And so, this message isn't, it's, it's not simply for, for you. This message is for me. As I studied this text, I'm thinking to myself, wow, Henry, you, 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 you so often go about life and your daily life and you, you don't rec- see God. You're not paying attention to him and the things going on around you. And so this, this message is for believer and unbeliever alike. And so in Genesis 1, 20 through 22, it, again, it says, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature, that has life, and the birds that may fly above the earth in the open sky of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Innumerable amounts of sea creatures were created that they abundantly filled the waters with life. So many that new sea creatures are being found today. Yet many remained undiscovered because of the vastness of the oceans. The oceans, you might know, make up three quarters of the whole, the whole globe, the whole world. The oceans are so extraordinarily vast that scientists say around 91% of sea creatures are unaccounted for. That blew me away. I had, I'm not going to lie, I had to double check that because I was like, what? Surely that isn't true. We will never master the oceans. God created these, these vast oceans that are bursting with life. And he, we don't know, but he knows. He knows all of those creatures by name. And God also he created the winged creatures, the creatures of the sky. He created the birds of the sky along with the creatures of the water in, in maturity and in diversity. He created many different kinds of birds, each according to their own kind. God created all these creatures, gave them life, and sustains them throughout all of history. And all of this he simply did by speaking. So what power, what authority, and and really what order that all of these creatures live. They have being and they go about their business doing that which they were created to do. What God is trying to get us to contemplate here is his wisdom and power in creation. He, he really wants us to see the gap between us and him. As Isaiah says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so, Really, God not, doesn't just want us to see the gap between them because that can be a gap can be that big. He wants us to see the gulf between us and Him. He wants us to see that we are so far from being like Him in wisdom, knowledge, and power that we might tremble before Him on our knees. Our ways are not His ways. 
And so we, we ought never to question the works of the mighty creator and sustainer. But we do, I do. I do it so often. And so if we do, we ought to challenge ourselves to stop at once. As Paul, Paul says in the uh, letter to the Romans, he says, But who are you, old man, to answer back to God? And Matthew says that says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the, ha- the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. God wants us to acknowledge that we are not not him. We are not God's. But that we are his handiwork. His creation. And his creation is meant to have the posture of humble adoration towards him. He commands us to have a constant posture of worshipful praise that empties ourselves of our pride and glorifies the one who created all things by the spoken word and who upholds all things by the power of his hand. God created the sea creatures and the birds of the sky that we might know them to be the glorious work of the great God whose ways are unsearchable and high above ours. If you remember, Job came to this point. Now Job, in my mind, actually had reason to, to talk back to God. He, 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 he had a, a life full of suffering. I mean, this guy lost his wife, his ten children, his house burned, he got boils, he had a horrible life. And so in my, my human mind, I'm like, well, he's got a point, you know. But even Job came to this point, who had one of the most horrible lives. He came to the point where he humbly worshipped God and, and, and he really shut up. Job stopped acting out of pride and boldness before God. And he trembled before the God who controls all creatures of the sea. The God by, who by his eternal power gives life and upholds life. Read along with me in Job 41 and notice, notice his tone. He says, Can you draw the monster with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak so, uh, to you soft words? Will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders bargain over him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, the hope of man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. And also, this is further explained in Job 12. 7 through 10. Here Job, Job says, But ask the beasts, and they will teach you. The birds of the heavens, and they will tell you. Or the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you. 
Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. The same thing God demands of us today. He demands that we stop our arrogance, that we stop our questioning of him, his existence, his ways and purposes. He demands that we look out into creation and see his glory, his authority, his power, his strength, his wisdom, and his purpose. And so we, we must always be constantly repenting of our pride. We must constantly repent of our arrogance towards God. And in and through this repentance of sin, turning away from our pride and turning toward God, he promises that he will again and again receive you. This is what God's word does for us. It, it helps us see our sin. Our sin of thinking that we know better than God. It helps us see our puffed up state of being that delights in our own, our own feeble intellect and earthly wisdom. The word of God helps us see that this is nothing more than foolish human wisdom. And most importantly again, or most importantly, it helps us see this human wisdom in light of the wisdom and power of God. It helps us to see that giant gulf between our wisdom and God's. It brings us back to God, the creator and sustainer who delights to receive sinners in his arms. And so praise God, right, in that in our murmuring, in our complaining, and even in our suppression of him, and our total lack of reverence toward him, that he gives us his word that pricks our hearts and brings us back to him. Thank God for his graciousness towards us. As we, as we consider the universe as, as one organism, as a unity in diversity that is governed by God, we are, we are then led to worship him and find our hope in Jesus Christ as he carries out that work of recreation. And so I want you guys to walk away with, with four things that I mentioned, mentioned earlier and that was, that was in, in all of that. One, notice God in creation. Many Old Testament writers tell of seeing and noticing God in creation. All we need to do really is what they do. Take the time to look and we will see and notice God's handiwork. Psalm 104, 24 through 26 says, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all, and the earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both great, small and great. There go the ships and the monster, which you form to play in it. We see the birds and fish all the time, don't we? We no longer wonder and stand in awe of them before God who created them. But whoever is reminded of the mind and the power of God in creating fish and birds, again, stands amazed at them, at the awesome power and design of our Creator. Same goes to those who do not believe. Those who do not believe but hear for the first time of God's awesome act in creating the fish, the birds, and the whole world 
they are at once compelled to wonder at them. This wondering at creation, specifically the fish and the birds, will then naturally or logically lead to worship God. Praise you, God. How amazing are your works. How amazing they are. And, and this will confirm your faith. It will confirm it. It will confirm your belief that there is a creator God who, who loves you in Jesus Christ because you are acknowledging him as God, as the Bible says. He who acknowledges me, I will acknowledge them. And two, posture of worship. In turn, we worship and praise God who is the creator. This is really the purpose of all of creation. The fish and the birds, they worship God by doing that which they were created to do. All things worship God. And uh, the Westminster Confession says that that's that's humanity's chief end. Our chief end is to glorify God, to worship him, and then to enjoy him forever. And so through this worship, we, we really come to enjoy God and all of his spiritual and physical blessings. And, and, and so all who see God in creation will want to worship, worship him. And they, and they will. All glory goes to God. Again, life is not about us, but it's about God. I often make my life about me, but I have to be constantly reminded, no, Henry, it's not about you. It's about God. He, he is the great principle of life, and we must worship him. And therefore God calls all who have eyes to see or ears to hear, to come and worship him. Three, God promises to give faith to all who ask, and he promises to finish the work that he starts in us. Just as God continued and ultimately finished his work in creation, so too God will see through until the end the act of recreation in the lives of those who believe in Jesus Christ. So from the miracle of creation, he goes to spiritual miracles of making people new and alive in Christ. If God can, by the power of his word, create the fish in the sea and the the birds of the sky and everything in the whole universe, then the same God can draw you to Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. Can he not take my decaying spiritual state of being and dead body and raise it to new life in Christ? I think so. I think so. But God will not only give you trust and confidence in Jesus Christ, but he will finish the work he started. One day, for those of you who believe in him, you will be perfect. You'll be given a new body like his. There will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more evil. One, one theologian says this. He says, Where, when, on, when he talks about Genesis 1, the creation, he says, Wherefore we are to learn from this book of Genesis the power of God, that we may accustom ourselves to doubt nothing that God promises in his word. For in this glorious and marvelous creation work is laid a confirmation of our faith in all the promises of God. That there is nothing so difficult, nothing so impossible, which God cannot do and perfect by his word. For all this 
is here proved by God's creation of the heaven and earth, sea, and all that is in them. And this is exactly, going back to Job, this is exactly Job's response to God in Job 42, 1-6. It says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And this, this, is, the, this is exactly what God promises to give. To give you this humble, this humble faith to all who ask and that he will finish it and complete it when Christ comes. And finally four, Jesus Christ is the source of all certainty and confidence. Few questions we need to ask yourself. What what is the source of our confidence? Yourself, myself, or your response to God, your confessions of sin every day, your prayers, maybe human wisdom or understanding, or is your trust the object of your faith? The object being Jesus Christ, He who is all wise, He who created all things and who controls all things. And so put your trust in Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him who is powerful, who is able to do all things by simply speaking, who creates all things. He who came to earth as a man and, and emptied himself for us, who died, who rose from the dead, who finished the work of creation and promises to finish the work of recreation. And so to everybody who is here it's impossible to walk away neutral to this to this this word it's impossible either you repent and believe or you already have and you and you continually live in that state or you walk away in unbelief mocking god who is so clearly seen in creation it's it's a weighty matter it makes me tremble just thinking about it For one day all will be judged and there will be no excuse for your unbelief. None. For even without the the revelation of God in his word, it's obvious that God is revealed in creation. It's, It's clear. And for those who believe in Jesus Christ, there will be pardon and full perfection. But for those who do not believe and who turn and deny him, there will be eternal separation. For God is a just and holy God. And so, please, please reconsider what you stake your life and your death on and, and, and repent and believe. And if you have any questions, please come ask me. And, or, or if you want prayer, I would love to pray for you. These are, these are weighty things and things that I've, I've gone through myself as well. I remember when I was younger, uh, I'm still young. I'm very young. But when I was even younger, I I walked away from the Lord. And I lived out of my own lusts, my own satisfactions. And it was dark. It was 
the darkest place I've ever been. But God, who's rich in mercy, draw me back to him through his, his, his written word, through the preaching of the word. And so I just, maybe, maybe you're not quite there yet, but you, you, do, you do feel something going on or you're convicted. I, I would really recommend that you, you, you sit under the preaching of the word, that you, you read your Bible, that you continually ask God, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me to feel sorry for my sin against you. And so, I leave you with that. Shall we pray? Lord God and Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. You, you bless us with every physical blessing and spiritual blessing. You clothe us, you feed us, you keep us from harm's way. Lord, just the fact that we're all standing in this room right now or sitting in this room right now is a testimony of your goodness and your grace, Lord for we are sinners, we are all wretched sinners. But Lord, you forbear, you suffer long with us so that your word might go forth and that many might come to know salvation in Jesus Christ. And so Lord, I pray that your spirit will be moving now and was moving before, that it would convict the hearts and minds of many who who believe and maybe are uh, veering off path, Lord, and for those who don't believe, Lord. But, and so I pray, Lord, that you will, you will go for the lost sheep, that you will bring him back or her back to the fold and that many newcomers will, will come into the fold, Lord. For you are a God of grace and God of mercy and a God of love, Lord. And so thank you. And I pray this all and the pardon of, of, of all of our sins. Amen. Okay. So now we're going to, we will uh, call you guys out one by one uh, for your carts. Uh, I think that they're ready. I think that they're ready. I'll go check.
We'll leave this door open now. The sound will go out. Mariano, Johanna, Sonny, take care.